and welcome to episode eight of the APW Property Podcast. Today, it's myself, Callum Williamson, as usual, and I'm joined by... Stuart Williamson. Hi, Stuart. How are you? Glorious. Very nice. It's a wonderful day here, so all's good. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. And today, everyone, we are going to be talking about the different types of return you can get from property. So... We're going to be looking at yield versus capital appreciation versus bog standard steady income. What's the best? Uh, what's the difference? And what you should be looking for, depending on what your goals are. How does that sound? That sounds perfect. And frankly, I wouldn't get out of bed for anything other than a positive cash flow yield, capital appreciation, longer term play. I know a lot of people do say that getting extra cash is good in the short term. And it may be if you're struggling to get on the ladder, you know, so therefore you need as much cash coming in as possible. That's why I guess people sometimes take out interest-only mortgages so they can take the cash they're earning and reinvest it elsewhere or at the same time use it to pay for expenses on the existing house. But the point is, you know, it's a fool's game you're leading yourself up the yard path because it's definite something will go wrong. You'll get a devaluation, you get a negative equity situation coming up. And if you bought with interest only, that will lead to a world of pain. So it's best to just go for the longer term, save a little bit more money and go for the capital appreciation ploy. There we go then. Uh, thanks everyone for listening to episode eight and we'll see you next week. Uh, no, I'm only joking. Uh, yeah, I think that's that is that's a good take on it. I mean, we we've got a client um, who we were talking about the other day, who's based in Singapore. Who's got, I think he's got four properties. They're all very good properties. He's mid fifties now, I think, but all of the properties were bought interest only. Um, so he's now at, at the point where he's got four properties with you know large mortgages on all of them. He wants to retire, but he's sort of asking us, well, what can I do? How can I pay these off? What's the best way forward? So that sort of situation, as you're saying, can be avoided if you go down the um, interest and repayment route as opposed to just the interest route. So I think there is some merit in what you're saying for sure. Um, and the point is that, you know, a conversation we had last week, wasn't it, with the guys in the UK, it's a case of what you see now as oh, Lord, I'll never be able to afford to pay that monthly amount because it's capital repayment. It'd be much better if I just had an interest-only version. That's only now. I mean, if you, and when, I'm sure you will do, listen to this week's market wrap, we will talk about inflation. And inflation on the horizon in the UK is currently 4%. So it'll be at 4% by Christmas. And, that, and it won't stay up there. Bank of England's got it under control as I said last time, it's a much better interventionist policy that the Bank of England is currently using, as many central banks are. It's a case of, if it was to go on at at 4% a year for five years, that'd be 20% discount. Is that right? Four or five? Yes. 20% discount on your loan. Well done. But if if it just does 2% over 10 years, that's still a 20% discount on your loan. So what was a 20% higher payment will be less later. You know, as I always say, the first mortgage I ever took out was £48,000. It was a king's ransom in those days. I couldn't sleep. 
it was given to me by one of the boys at the rugby club and I didn't know what it was really. It was just like, what's a mortgage? How does that work? And uh, I couldn't afford it. But an hour later, what will £48,000 buy you? Well, yeah, a sort of family saloon car in the UK. Yeah, well, certainly not very much. So therefore, you're better off saving a bit more money, digging in and going hard at it rather than going for rental yield. But a lot of professional people do go for rental yield, so it has got its place to play. Yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? I mean, I think we're probably a little bit biased towards that because of the type of client we deal with and the type of person we meet. Um, we're a bit more biased towards that buy and hold and have it paid off over the longer term idea. And I think why are we bullish, I think is a good word, bullish on that, is because I was chatting to someone this morning, believe it or not, um, and they were asking, they're an Australian, and they were asking about supers. Are there supers everywhere else in the rest of the world? And I explained that, no, there aren't really many countries that offer a, a pension plan or a pension scheme outside of maybe the EPF in Malaysia, which is why a lot of overseas people need to try and build that up for themselves. So if you're using property as a way to build some sort of pension for the future, then you know you don't want to get to 65 and not have that mortgage paid off, do you? You want to get to 65 and have it totally paid off so that you can enjoy the income. That's the whole point of it. So I think for the people that are listening, you know, that's why we're quite, we go on about that one quite a bit is because generally most of the people we're meeting are people that are trying to do that longer term thing. So, um, you know, if you want income and all that sort of stuff, then you can, it's fine. You can do it. But I think, yeah, generally speaking, the type of person we meet with, it's more that sort of longer term buy and hold. Um, but yeah, like you say, so what are, what are the types of, what are the different types of, return we can get from property then we've got yield which is do you want to explain that you'd probably be better explain what yield is to me yield <laughs> it's the percentage of the property's value that you get back every year in income and as a rule if you're going to buy a buy to let then you should aim for at least a five and a half cent rental yield and that is therefore 5.5 percent on every hundred thousand pound invested is five thousand five hundred so if you bought something for 250000 you should be looking at about £13,500 back as a minimum. Why? Because that will cover the mortgage. It'll cover the agency fees to the rental person. It, if it's a, a flat, it'll cover any ground rent, any common area, service charge, and anything else you can think of. And allow you to build up, A, a sinking fund to service the requirements of the property if you need a bit of love here and there. Or alternatively, it allows you to build up a fund that you can start paying a mortgage off quicker. And most mortgages nowadays are flexible enough. So after perhaps a year, you start making cash lump sum deposits or just increase the amount. Gone are the days where things were not that when that was not allowed. Yeah. Okay, there we go. So we've got yield. Um which is important. As you say, it's important to have certainly a, a base level of yield because that will cover all your costs. You don't necessarily need, um, I don't think, you know, a lot, of, a lot of investors chase yield and they look for as high a yield as possible. I think, you know, if you want to get up into the eight, nine percent plus yields, you've got to be looking in low value property locations, right? You know, you're not going to be getting eight percent yield on a £250,000 property, but you are going to get an eight percent yield on a 
£60,000 flat somewhere in Scotland. Um, well, that's the thing to think about, isn't it? I mean, normally you're going to, the best capital appreciation is going to be in places like city centres. You know, if you take, for example, uh, London. London is going to give you capital appreciation in the longer term, as it always has, but the rental yield you'll get below. Why is that? Because if something's going to cost £500,000 and you're not going to be able to charge 6% a year rent on that because that would be 30,000 quid. You know, people aren't going to pay that for a two-bed flat. But it will appreciate in capital terms. Once you get past the initial pain of having to pay a bit extra yourself, it's worthwhile investing in. But if you go out to the opposite end of the spectrum, which is Nottingham, which is the cheapest place in the UK to retire, it's half the price of London, then you can get properties that are at six, seven, eight percent because it is so cheap. So you can buy it at 150,000 and you can get six percent quite easily because people are willing to pay more rent for that price of property. So that's how it works. That's how it fits in. If you want to have, you know, income, I mean, why would you want to have income? I just don't understand that beyond my ken. That's but, why you'd want to have income. Well, pe- people do, don't they? I mean, a lot of people. That's a big goal for why? me. Why would, why would you want to have income when you're, when you're 35? Most of the people we deal with probably start at about 25 and go up to 60. You know, a 60 might have income, but you wouldn't want to have income at 35. Why? Why? Well, it's, it's, it's what your goals are. I mean, nowadays, people, it's not, sorry, not like your time, you know, where people would get a job with a company and it would be, that would be it then. You know, you'd work for Rolls-Royce for 35 years or whatever it is. You know, people young millennial type people and they have a couple of different careers they do lots of different things and i think the sooner they can reach this financial freedom where they don't have to rely on a job for income then they're in a place where they can explore things they want to do you know so that financial freedom i think is what people are trying to get out there the sooner they can get that the better and i think from people i've spoken to that is why income would be an option because they can go and travel. Remember, we spoke to a guy in Hong Kong. Uh, he came to a few of our webinars and seminars. He had no, he came to a seminar, not a webinar, but he had no hair on the top and a very big, long beard. He was a teacher. He was 29, I think. And he worked at the German Swiss school up on the peak. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. said, I want, I've got, I've got this inheritance money and I want to invest it so that I've got this much income so I can go traveling for two years. Yeah, you want to take every second year off. Yeah. And admittedly, that's not longer term. It's not going to give him a pension. But I mean, he's 29 and I don't think he was really thinking that far ahead, was he? He just wanted to go in. You've got, you know, you've got responsibilities. You've got children. You know, you've got to pay for those. They're not cheap, you know. You've got all sorts of stuff you've got to pay for. This frivolous lifestyle of taking years off willy-nilly. The empire wasn't built on that, you know. The empire wasn't built on... People taking years off willy-nilly. You can't say that anymore. I can. I Sorry, did. we're going to get cancelled. Cancel culture. Anyway, right, so you've got your yield, you've got your capital appreciation, and then I'm not sure this is a type of return. Well, it is. You've just, just your standard income. You know, I don't, I think a lot of people, certainly when, you know, you look at the research, the Zoopla, the Knight Frank, all of that sort of stuff, what do they base their research on? It's house price growth, right? And when people are looking at locations, they, well, I want to buy in Liverpool because it's 8% this year, or I want to buy in Sheffield because it's 7% this year. And people get caught up in that capital appreciation uh, 
not bubble, but caught up in the flow of it. And I think, you know, steady, reliable income, not a massive yield, not massive, massive capital appreciation, but a good solid location with lots of people with lots of employment. So you'll always have a tenant in there. So it's going to be paid off over the longer term. Talking about the longer term again, I think you can't really beat just a, a bog standard steady earner, you know, like you say, you're 5% in a strong location. That's It's not going to be top 10 location. It's not going to be, you know, setting records for growth every year, but it's, it's going to do well over the long term. I think that is underrated that sort of property and, and location, to be honest. What is where you get people that are sucked into this thing we're getting at the moment? For example, Newcastle. You know, Newcastle's going up strongly. And I did a lot of research at the weekend on Newcastle. And the only reason it's really going up strongly is because it is cheap. And so a lot of hot money is flying into that. The problems they've had in Newcastle is that they've developed all these office parks around the city which are out of the city centre. So people go to those places to work and they don't work in the city centre. So the city centre is dying. And it's a fact, you know, that rents in Newcastle are only 2% of, uh, sorry, 22% of uh, average income, whereas in around the UK it's 33% and now I think 39% in London. So it is a very cheap place to buy and rent. But longer term, it won't go up because it has no, got no reason to do so. Same with Liverpool. Longer term, it's got a you know it's hope it's desperately pinning its hopes on getting a free port license and also getting um, benefiting from the post Brexit UK USA um, coastal trade. You know that's not going to work. So you need to buy good, strong economic growth locations like the Northern Powerhouse, Manchester, Birmingham, the Midlands, those sort of locations. Yeah, and I would say as well. To back that up, you know, you don't, it doesn't necessarily need to be in the city centre and the cities of those locations themselves. You know, if your affordability won't stretch to that, then you can look at satellite towns and cities around, satellite towns around those cities as well. You know, so you don't have to buy Birmingham city centre because it's going, it's, you know, past five years it's grown massively, but you can buy. I don't know, Edgebaston's probably a bit expensive, but those places around Birmingham, Solihull and all those different places where you can get a bit more value for money. So don't be afraid just because you don't know the name of a location and it's not in the papers all the time. Don't be afraid to do your research, people, because it could be a good location. Yeah, I mean, as you say, up past Ed Edgebaston, up that way, you know, you've got the Royal Infirmary. It's very posh. They've got a, um, a Michelin two-star restaurant, which they haven't got in the centre of Birmingham. So it's a case of look Harborn, that's what it is, and Harborn up there. So it's just case of looking for hotspots. Yeah. Like, you know, who would have thought that Swansea Cardiff would become AI life science hotspots? I mean, oh, yeah. so, you know, you've got to look for these places and they will give you the yield. Yeah, and you, you use that Wales example again. You know, it's uh, Torfine, which is north of Newport. That's That's grown... That's going very quickly for house prices at the moment because it because of the toll the toll's gone people can get over to england they don't have to pay that toll fee but also it's affordable because it's not in newport city center so there's lots of little micro reasons why places yeah. value some guy this morning was saying to me that they were electrifying the um the railway line down to cardiff and when they electrify it that is one of the reasons why chippenham is going up so much in price because they make it such a super quick trip 
Okay, so I would say, in short, you know, you've got all these different types of different types of return you can get from property. What is, what does it come down to? As we always like to harp on about, go on. It comes down to individual circumstances making deciding factor. Okay, first time buyers are more likely to consider rental yield strategy as a quick way to get a foothold in the, on the property ladder, given the upfront costs are often much lower. All right. Yes. If you're financially secure and prepared to wait to reap the reward, then purchasing a property in an area that where demand surpasses supply could be the right option. Given the properties with for good capital growth are often situated in areas close to work opportunities, good amenities, infrastructure, and access to public transport, i.e., city centres. So new, new, new buyers look out into the areas where there might be a great growth and it might be a lot cheaper. Existing buyers go into the city centre. So wait, so just to wrap up then, what you're saying is you should buy based on your own goals. You should base your strategy on your individual situation. Absolutely. No one can tell you what to do. It's just a case of you've got to go, well, no, you've got to get advice from people who know, you know, not the butcher because he's good at making up figures on the go, but people who actually know the stuff, get some advice and then make it a, a rational decision based on that, a measured decision. Based on your research. And of course, guys, if you'd like help with your research, you can join the new APW Property Partners subscription where you will have a research brief delivered to you every Saturday. It's our take, our summary, our digest of the market once a week. And then every month, you'll get a full report on what's going on in all the markets. That's the APW Property Partners subscription service or for less than a pint of beer a month. And that information in that, in that service will be gleaned from all the top research houses globally excellent there we go guys the link is in the subscription below i think thanks for your time i will see you later in the week for our next client questions pod thank you very much Stuart. hey do take care bye bye cheers bye